0: Thanks for listening to the media people podcast, lively and insightful chats with the people who power the media industry. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, you can go to mediapeople.ca or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Views expressed by participants are personal. Cynthia Rubino, Citrine Consultancy founder, advertising educator and mental health advocate returns to the podcast. The pandemic forced everyone to adjust personally and professionally. If you're a professional, you probably embraced Zoom calls and sweatpants. And for many of us, not having a daily commute was a plus. But if you're a student, well, virtual lectures and group work sapped all the interpersonal benefits that come with in-person teaching, something that Cynthia saw firsthand. Cynthia Rubino stops by to chat about the current state of mental health and wellness in the advertising industry, how it's impacting our students, and her recently launched Masterclass series. And if you haven't already, be sure to jump down to episode 37 to catch our first chat together. You can find the link in the episode description. Welcome back. You are the third returning guest I've ever had back on the podcast. And something special about this one, because you were on episode 37. And what made episode 37 so special, apart from the fact that you were my guest, is that you were the last in-person podcast I did together and before the pandemic turned everything upside down. So first and foremost, how have you been since then?
1: Oh my gosh, when you say it that way, that is nutty. Um, I'm great. I'm great. And uh, thank you for having me three years later, literally to the day, I would say. And uh, that was so nice to actually, I think at the time we, we were sort of, you know, together um, recording this. And now we are, you know, apart, but still doing the good things.
0: I actually came into your office at Sheridan college's Mississauga campus. We did the recording there in person, yeah. and then a couple of weeks later, the whole world fell apart <laughs> because of covid nineteen so let 's start with uh because we 're going to talk a lot about mental health and wellness today in the advertising industry, but just to remind people, apart from the fact that you have spent a number of years agency side with agencies like cassette you 've also been teaching at the colleges. How did Covid impact student life because i don 't think we're talking about that enough. We hear a lot about say, elementary school kids, you know, mask them up and send them away. Same thing for high school students. But what about college students who are on the brink of starting their career?
1: For most of them, they have done remote uh, for their entire sort of post-secondary, which, you know, for some it's two, sometimes it's three. And so they've actually never met any of their peers. They've never been in a classroom setting. They've never met us. Um, and that is difficult. And I'll tell you why, because when they transition and, and are transitioning into the real world, or as I like to say, from the classroom to the boardroom, they're struggling. Um, there is a lot of gaps in, in between trying to understand how to communicate, trying to really reestablish themselves back into society. We have to remember that when we are isolating or have isolated for two, three years, we lose a lot of sort of the senses of the outside world. We don't realize it. And we tend to get very comfortable with ourselves staying at home. But we'll talk about this more later on, but the importance of connectivity has has gone to the wayside. Um, I feel for my students. I felt for them when we hit uh, back in 2020 you know, so for us as professors, we had to reevaluate the way in which we looked at the content, the way in which we looked at the lecture, our in class activities, our projects, our assignments, our presentations. Um, you know, for some, the international students, how are they getting impacted, right? It's like a lot of them had to go back to their country. How are they gonna, you know, uh, get into the classroom? How's the Wi Fi? All these little things. And we had, I would say probably, I'm trying to think, it was probably March 13, I would say. And typically, uh, semester ends at the end of April. So we had a good six weeks left. And we had to figure all that out. But, you know, kudos to Sheridan, kudos to the um, my my fellow peers. We did it. Um, but there was a lot, a lot of communication that had to have been had, a lot.
0: Did you have a lot of kids... Drop out, like, and not like drop out as soon as the pandemic hit. But you found that they weren't coming back for the next year; they were deferring it. Because a friend of mine, his his son, he had to finish out the second semester of his very first year at York University, and he said to his dad, "He's like, there's no way in hell I'm paying tuition to go do this remotely." He's he did not like the final six weeks of his semester, and he said, "I'll go back to York when they go back to in class learning altogether."
1: Yeah, bang on. Unfortunately, enrollment uh, was down absolutely, in uh, September of 2020 for that reason. Um, for many reasons. Uh, number one, they didn't feel that the, I guess they wanted to have that in-class experience. Um, for some of them, they they had a really, really hard time paying attention, focusing, being able to get what they needed to get through a screen. Um, as much as we provided ourselves and our time, you know, obviously it's just, it's it's not the same. So we did see a decline, definitely saw a decline in the fall and then more so in the winter of, of uh,
0: 21. Did any of your students get used to this, though? So used to it that they were looking forward to remote work because I'm not really in favor of remote work. Anytime I have a chance to speak at the colleges, I actually spoke at George Brown and, and at Ad Club Student Day a couple of months ago, and I, I told him, I said, look, get into the like like you said getting into the boardroom like like find a workplace get in like get in there mm-hmm. for god's sakes like you you have to learn how to read or read the room you want to make small talk with people that's how you're going to advance your career and mm-hmm. i'm all on board for hybrid work like if a company says you've got to come in two to three days a week i think that is a nice happy medium but did you find that people were like oh this is going to be straightforward i'm just going to be you know continuing my academic career and my professional career in my pajamas behind a laptop
1: Yes. Um, and what we also found was um, students who did remote uh also found themselves working full time and felt the need not to show up during class because they would go to work. And then because we record um, most of the lectures, they would that's how they would follow up. So for them, it was a win win. Right. I go to work, I make money and then i can also do my job. Would i like pre-pandemic i would not have been able to do that because i had to show my face in class, but now that you know everything is remote i can do it that way. Not so much, right? Like we do have um very strict guidelines as well in terms of certain classes having participation especially in activities or evaluation. So, you know, there there a, a lot of conversations had uh, but in terms of fast forwarding till now, I have a, quite a few students actually um, just wanting remote and are quite happy with with that. But I continuously speak to them about the importance of connectivity as humans. We need to connect. It is the fundamental basis of just instincts of of who we are. It actually feeds us and in terms of what you were saying victor absolutely um if you want to move forward and advance in a company they need to see you they need to know who you are are you showing up that's for me is the big theme showing up and i like hybrid i think it's a great win-win for people it gives them the capability to do what they want to do at home um in terms of the morning or after work and also, the commuting. That's another thing. Uh, a lot of students had a hard time till now. They don't like commuting. They don't like, especially if those going downtown Toronto to the agencies, they don't like that. They, it's, it's too far for them and, and they feel that it eats up a lot of their time. So they really, really got to be careful in terms of which four walls they want to be a part of. I do have a classic example of an agency, which all remain uh, unknown. They, you know, said for everybody to come in once or twice a week in person, which is great with their group. And a lot of the juniors were kind of complaining because they didn't, they didn't feel that they wanted to go in. They felt that they were productive and good, just, you know, staying at home. I disagree with that.
0: I'm curious to see how that shift is going to happen though, in our industry, because I mean, I work for an American company, so I have optics into what the industry looks like in the United States. And they've basically gone back to, I don't even know if you can call it hybrid work, but pretty much full-time work. Like all of my peers are working with agencies who are open or they've got people in office three to four days a week. Like you can work remotely one day a week. And I find up here too, and it's a bit surprising for my boss when she hears about how things are up here, is that I found that the vendors and the publishers have gone back maybe three days a week, but the agencies, it's like one day a week. And where it causes a little bit of mental anguish for me on my end is you want FaceTime with people and you want to, you want to make sure that you're actually getting a full house. Cause I've had a couple of opportunities to go into an agency to speak since things started to open up again. And they'd be like, you know, Victor, maybe one of us will be here and the other three will be on the phone. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, I'm just going to stay home. I'm not going to come in to talk to a telephone. But when they're all together for one day, it gets really competitive because not only does every vendor want to come in and speak to everyone in person, because FaceTime, like you said, is key, but they've also got internal meetings. They want to talk to each other as well. So it's almost as if the morning is written off, and then you're trying to piece things together in the afternoon, and you really only get one shot at it, because assuming they do this one day a week, you're competing with the Googles, the Metas, Snap, Pinterest, Rogers, Bell, everyone for that bit of oxygen. So it's become even harder to do now. And I'll say pre-pandemic, it was still pretty hard, especially if you were at a small player to get a meeting. So that's caused a, a bit of mental stress, I could say, on me for the most part. And I'm sure yeah. my sales peers would agree with that as well.
1: You know, um, so pre-pandemic, uh, when I was in agency life, we always had to, or at least with my team, I always made sure that we gave time to everyone because that is so important to the sales rep. Time time is, is money, but FaceTime is so invaluable. Because that is where you create your relationships. That is where the business thrives on. The stronger your relationship with your agency or your, your supplier or your rep, the more that you guys will be able to share information that is so important to each other's pieces of business. If you don't know who you're speaking to or, or even for that matter, as a planner or a buyer, you have to understand the players out there so that you can get the best possible strategy, plan, rate, whatever it is for your client. But if you don't allow anybody to come in and actually give you the face time, how are you doing your job? So I never, you know, I, I, I'm kind of not, not looking forward to how the new generation is approaching, um, especially agency life just because i hear more of that i do know that sales reps are having a hard time exactly what you said it's like vying for time and as you know victor as an agency person it's like 24 7 go 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 so yes. to even get 5 10 ha- minutes of them is like gold and that's very rare that you get it so now slice it down even further and further what climate are we creating what kind of relationships what kind of Really, what kind of business are we doing? What are we basing our decision on?
0: Pretty much what we're seeing on LinkedIn then. Whoever's been loudest and proudest on LinkedIn or whoever's got the name or brand recognition, that's probably what we're basing everything on right now. And and I got to tell you, uh, working for a small player that's very strong in their field, sometimes you just can't compete with with the name recognition that Meta's put out there because everyone knows Meta. And at the same time, if your clients know who they are, then they're just going to go with that as well. Because like you said, they're going to go with the usual suspects. Well, you didn't right. say it specifically, but I kind of read in between the lines there. <laughs> hey, can I throw something else out there as well that's gone upside yeah. down? Sure. Restaurants. Oh. The number of restaurants that are not open for lunch anymore. So when – like I swear to God I've had a couple of emails going back and forth with clients this summer when I could actually get people out for lunches and it was like on a specific day and we took everyone together – it was funny because I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Where do you guys want to eat? And they'd throw out a couple of one or two restaurants, and I'd come back and be like, they don't open until 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock. And then I'd have to come back after literally calling around in the neighborhood and going, "Here's seven restaurants that are open at noon. you got to pick from there. Wow. And so it, it, it's kind of reverberated through other uh, aspects of industry that we don't talk about as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's my, mm-hmm. there's
0: my dog in the background now saying hello. That's Duke, by the way. <laughs> he helps me with my mental health.
1: yes absolutely pets are fantastic
0: they're great for that so okay so let's get back into what you've been doing with citrine consultancy because Mm. that was a massive pivot into health and wellness and you were focusing specifically on this industry that we have like the advertising and marketing industry so tell us where you were at pre-pandemic and tell us how things changed for you during the pandemic
1: so when we spoke i was in the midst of launching uh, what I created, which was called I Matter, and at the time I Matter was supposed to be a live event, first mental health symposium for the industry, and then of course uh, COVID hit. Now I Matter is an affirmation, and an affirmation are is a phrase, a phrase in which when you say it really sets the tone, sets your mind in a more positive. and oftentimes in life we never place ourselves first for whatever reason maybe our work is taking over us caregivers dependents whatever it is and what I always say to every single senior you know senior leadership out there is you can take care of the brand fantastic the product that's great but if you don't take care of your people you have no company you have nothing and so I am a huge believer in I matter. It's placing you first. One of the analogies that I always use is that when you're on a plane, right? And you're sort of, you know, just about to take off and, you know, they, they show about the safety, which, you know, typically nobody pays attention to, but we all should. What is the first thing that they say? They always show where the oxygen masks are. And they always say, you know, it's going to come down. You need to pull it. You need to put it over your nose and mouth. Breathe. Before what? Before you can help yourself and others. And that is what I'm trying to teach people. Is you need to put the oxygen mask on yourself to continue to do what you need to do in life. Put yourself first.
0: I was a lifeguard in high school, and that's what they teach you as well. Not necessarily using the oxygen mask analogy, but they teach you that if you're approaching someone in the water and they're panicking, that if you give in to them and you let them attack you, like let's say they, they're obviously afraid they're drowning, so they're just going to jump on you like you're a life preserver and pull you under, you go from having one rescuer and one victim to two victims, and that doubles the problem. So when when we were talking before – Uh, we got this episode going and you had passed along uh, some info on the masterclass you're working on that slide resonated with me. I'm like, yep, I've heard of that before. Let me ask you this though, about um, specifically about I matter and that focus on yourself. Have you ever had any respondents come back to you? Because when you're having mental health issues, and I think everyone listening to this has had some sort of low point in their life. Do they ever look inwards on that and go, Hey, you know, am I being selfish if I, if I focus on myself, Like, have you ever had anyone bring that up with you and you kind of have to give them a good shake and go, well, if you don't look out for yourself, who's going to like, did you just shake them out of that mentality that it's okay to put yourself first?
1: Yes. And three words that I always try to implement, um, with, with people is no blame, no shame, no guilt, because we have a tendency to do that. Right. We blame ourselves for not doing things or we blame ourselves for what had happened. And then we shame ourselves for not doing too much or too little or too ever. Like we're so judgmental. There's a lot of self judgment already and, and then compound that with, with where you work and then compound that with the society or the community. And I'm going to say, you may have anchors in your circle of people that you don't even realize anchors are people that, come to you and they, all they want to do is talk negativity, whether it's gossip or whether it's kind of putting other people down or not, or just spe- spewing that toxicity, all of that brings you right down without even realizing it. So 100%, that's, that's just natural. That's, that's 100% natural for people to do that. That's why we have to rewire our brain. We have to rewire the way we think. There's a term called negativity bias. And essentially what that means, Victor, is that as humans, we are first uh, negative and then maybe positive. It's just the way that we work. It's very hard to be positive. So easy to be negative.
0: So after Matter was impacted by the pandemic, where did the idea for the master class come from?
1: Probably like many people, I was hopeful. <laughs> that COVID was only going to last, you know, a year.
0: Oh, hey, you want to hear something funny about the pandemic? (laughs) Okay, here's a real funny story for you. So my last, I guess, in-person doctor's appointment was in late February of 2020. And it was just before Donald Trump had said this will blow over in April. No word of a lie. A week before that, my doctor was just like, meh, this will blow over in April. We won't be talking about it in the summer my god <laughs> like like even people with degrees were are getting this wrong so Thanks? yeah that can, that can was kicked down the road a couple of times so and i don't blame you for time. holding on yeah
1: yeah and i was really 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 holding on on having this live event because something as such this type of topic needs again the connectivity right so as I'm throughout the pan- pandemic trying to create initiatives, that's just who I am. I'm, I'm very much, uh, you know, ideas just pop into my head. So I created Stay Connected with uh, a very good industry person, Boris Cho, uh, in March of 2020. And and we did that and um, just got people together to talk and just talked about how everybody's doing and so on and so forth. And that lasted um, I would say almost, almost a year. And then from there, I thought, okay, hang on. I can't lose focus. I matters like my baby. Like I know people need this. I can feel it. I can sense it. So it's weird. I, um, I got certified as, as a coach and I think all of my skills sort of intertwined, which then came out into the masterclass. What a masterclass is, is basically a subject matter expert. Focusing on a particular subject. So for me, it's wellness. I am an educator. I am a coach. I am an advocate. And that's pretty much what Citrine is all about. Citrine is to educate and advocate. So for me, Victor, my issue with mental health in our industry, and it's because I know this industry more than any other industries, we don't talk about it enough. I applaud those that have events here and there but we need to talk about this on the daily and i don't know why we don't do it mental health two words right but my gosh is it such a big umbrella and people are so afraid of the word mental right that's what gives it its stigma people are afraid to say that they have a mental health condition what it is is your brain health Just, you know, you you have to take care of your foot health. You have to take care of your hygiene, your dental health, your heart health. Your brain has to be healthy as well. But there's a lot of science behind it and there's so much overload. So I wanted to create what is called the masterclass. And what that is, is just focusing on two pillars personal development and well being. And I created five themes. Five modules under each pillar, which is to be relatable to people so that they don't feel overwhelmed or afraid. I think when you are educated, you're more empowered. And that is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to put the power back into people and light them up again because the COVID has completely dimmed our light within. And we don't have that sense of value, who we are, why we're here, what's the purpose, what am I doing, am I doing it right? All it is is just negativity, self-criticism, self-judgment. And I'm trying to just press reset, try to place positivity, but on a continuous basis. And that is why you have the Masterclass Series.
0: How much of the content you're putting out now has been impacted or, I guess, shaped by the pandemic? Because I have to imagine that if there was no pandemic, maybe you would have been at a different point in your mental health coaching career, or at least with the curriculum that you've got.
1: Yes. And a lot of the modules are based off of the COVID and the way in which we work. I think the most popular ones that I've taught or a keynote is... Okay, first and foremost, burnout, number one, right? Because those that live at home, there is no sense of turn on, turn off. You know, it's the clock constantly go, 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 go. Um, The other one that a lot of people like to hear about is boundaries. I think in life, we all need boundaries, right? Uh, With our peers, our friends, our employer, whoever, whoever we are or wherever we are, You need to have a sense of boundaries. Some people are not vocal enough, and it doesn't mean you have to yell and scream and say whatever. I think everyone can can talk on their own, but there is less and less self-advocacy. And that needs to amp up more. And this is why I'm trying to empower people back to give them the fire within, to be confident with themselves right it's it's the self-care who has a self-care regime no one very little if they do because there's no there's no time so there's there's a lot of things that we know we just need to be reminded of it again in such a way that makes sense and so the master class is is really based on scientific backups it's not something that i just created it's something that is supported but in a way in which you can understand that is more palatable. And so it was really really important to get these themes out there into the hands especially of senior leadership. So, you know, Victor, when we talk about the new generation coming in and and, and working remote, I also think and feel that it comes from the top. Right? I think the top really needs to showcase what it is to come back to work and show them all the great things it's fantastic to be in an office setting it's beautiful to have conversations and see these ideations come to life and meet your reps it's it's that type of business that i think we are lacking so there's a lot to learn but it's 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 a it's really really day-to-day things that that just makes sense
0: you make a good point. We don't really treat in-person work like a tangible benefit. Like, it's just, it's just not what we call it. We treat it like a chore. You think, oh my God, I've got to get up. I'm stuck in traffic or I'm stuck on public transit. If you're thinking about it now, the weather's going to be bad. So that's just going to add to the misery of the commute. And then when you get get to work and then I don't know how your day is going to go at work, whatever it is you're doing or whoever it is you work for. And, and here's another thing too, is I think also, also that, how what's the best way to put it? People are not approaching others with a sense of humility over a zoom call. Maybe I'm wording it incorrectly, but I just, I think that's that level of interpersonal communication is just not there. So people are probably a lot more abrasive with each other because you're commuting, not commuting, you're communicating via video call. It's a two dimensional person you're speaking with. It's not really three dimensional or you're mm-hmm. communicating through email as well, too. And, and I'll even put myself out there, too. I've been at my company. I started during the pandemic. I've been there for almost two years. And there were times when it felt like I had a rocky relationship with people. And it would give me anxiety just because mm-hmm. we were dealing through email more than anything else. We never had a face to the name or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm at a company that's U.S.-based. Uh, I run the Canadian office, and it's just basically me and one other gentleman. And we don't have an office because we don't need it for two people. But because we're so removed from, I guess you could sort of say head office in the United States, it caused a little bit more tension than there had to be over stupid little things. Like there was nothing grand going on or anything like that. Everyone was, everyone was incredibly wonderful to work with, but you just misread emails like little things like there's no punctuation and it's one line. Oh, they're ordering me around. Well, I'll show them. And it's just like, no, (laughs) we're going down a toxic road now. It's impacting everyone's mental health and you just can't really see through it properly.
1: Agree. And that's the key um, communication. And so, you know, as much as we try to teach it in the classroom, the importance of business communication, whether it's email, whether it's, you know, uh, calls, virtual calls, whatever it is, you have to work that much harder to communicate your message because you are not there to watch the verbal, the really the non-verbal cues, and sometimes it's those non-verbal cues that allow you to say, okay, hang on, I don't really think she understood what I was trying to say. Let me rephrase that. And to your point about live, I remember when we were negotiating contracts, I refused to do any volume deals or whether it's even one-off campaign deals, I refused to do them um over the phone because I knew that the value of the campaign or the value that we needed to get for our client was not going to get resolved over the phone. We had to see each other in person because when we do that, we let our guards down and we actually become more human, right? Versus, you know, the screen that has become sort of our uh, It's like person. armor
0: or a wall. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, why? You know, the, the 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 whole form, especially in our industry, is all about connection, relationship, connectivity, business messaging. Like we 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 work in a very communicative based industry. Yet we don't know how to communicate at times.
0: I know. And now we're signing contracts through DocuSign. So that unique aspect, which is your signature. <laughs> Is stripped away. You kind of type in your name and they're like, here's what it looks like in cursive. And you're like, that's not my signature, but I guess this is legally binding now. It's like, like even those little things have been just kind of taken away. Not that we have to go back to the way things were hundreds of years ago where we signed contracts in blood, but Uh sometimes it does feel like you're signing those contracts (laughs) in blood. Okay. So I want to get into the mechanics of the masterclass. You mentioned that everything you're doing is backed by science. Mm. But how much research went into this? Because what do we know about mm. science when we're looking at peer-reviewed articles? They can go in a number of different directions. So how do you how do you decide which ones are applicable to what you're trying to achieve in the master class? So
1: fortunately for me, I I love this arena, and so I have a tremendous amount of sourcing. You know whether it's TED Talks, um, whether it's videos, articles. Um, activities, you know, I bring in even my coaching, um, capabilities and, and sort of the activities that we might do with our coachees. Um, so it's, it's not strictly one thing. I try to draw from a different arena simply because that is who my audience is, right? I can't, I can't necessarily, you know, say that I'm only going to stick to one source being articles and research and all that stuff. It has to come from from a diversified portfolio because that is the audience. Everybody's going to consume this differently. And everybody's going to personalize it differently. But at the end of the day, burnout is burnout. And the definition of burnout is the definition of burnout. So... That That is what I'm trying to really showcase to people that I know there's a tremendous amount out there. Let me do the work for you and let me deliver it, especially with my subject matter expertise as being the educator. But I also bring my coach hat in because when you coach, you always provide a safe space. It's so critically important. And it's as equally important to create and and speak with clean language. We don't realize, but there's certain words that we really shouldn't be using in our vocabulary. Because what it does is it really does blame and shame us without even us realizing. So I try to incorporate that too. And honestly, I've been in the industry for like over 20 years. I've been on every single side of the table. Every single side of the table. So. I know how it is to let someone go. I know how it is to have someone on the team leave because of their mental health. I've dealt with mental health. So there's there's an arena of, of expertise put into each slide and not just, you know,
0: copy paste. So if anyone listening to our chat right now wants to take you up on the offer of having you come in and do that masterclass with their company, how can they get a hold of you
1: oh yes that would be amazing and that that is really what i'm doing is is going to either companies large or small right i don't want people to think that oh i'm a small company you know i can't i can't do this i think if if you really want to put a focus on i call it human capital planning right so we always have budget for everything else, but we always need to carve out budget for our people. But to answer your question, Victor, simply email me at cynthia at citrineconsultancy.ca, or you can always uh, shoot me a message through LinkedIn.
0: I'm so happy you came back on. I'm really, really happy everything is going well, and that uh, and that your masterclass is taking off. So I hope people listening to this take you up on it. But another reason I'm happy you're back is because I started rapid fire questions during the pandemic when I went remote. And so you didn't get a chance to do it first time around. So are you ready for rapid fire questions?
1: Okay. Okay, go ahead.
0: The campaign you are most proud of.
1: Okay, so this is this is going way back. This is in the year 2000. I was a planner on General Mills. And one of my products are one of my clients was uh, Yellow Box Cheerios. And I created the idea of polybagging the newspapers the day, New Year's Day. And uh, on the polybag, obviously it would have two zero, zero, zero. But instead of the zeros, it would be the Cheerio. Ooh,
0: and that's I did, clever.
1: It is. And I, I was so disappointed. I did not win a Mia for that. Um, obviously, the distribution wasn't, you know, entrenched. Um, because of the fact that it was expensive, but we did hit targeted, um, postal codes and everything, but my gosh, it was really, really clever and, and so much fun. So didn't win a Mia, but still love it.
0: Okay. So for a media innovation award, do they take into account? I don't know, a bump in sales because that's the objective overall, like creativity is a big deal, but your client's going to come back to you at the end of the day and go, Hey, did this drive results? Which it sounds like it did but did they take that into account uh, with your application for the award?
1: No, not back then. No,
0: I don't think they do it back. They do it now. So I mean, no. it's, it's more like <laughs> celebrating, it's more like celebrating the creative teams and art more than anything else rather than yeah. results.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Your favorite movie. I
1: love footloose. I love footloose and why? Because it's all about dancing. You see, that's another thing. I think we forget to laugh, dance, have a good time, right? It's it's not always about, yes, it's about eating, but it's about just just throwing, having joy throughout our, our body. And just, uh, I loved it because that, that movie was all about dancing, which I had, to, uh, I love it to this day.
0: And it's always good to have Kevin Bacon in your movies. <laughs>
1: Six degrees, yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> if Hollywood were to make a movie based on your life story, who would you want to play you?
1: I'm going to say Reese Witherspoon, simply because she is able to play different parts, different roles, different um, different stages of someone's life. Uh, and she's a mom and has kids, as do I. So, yeah, I would say her.
0: My follow-up, if Hollywood were to make that movie based on your life story, what would you call it?
1: I'm probably going to say The Visionary but there's so many like hidden meetings, meanings behind that. Um, Actually, a couple of months ago, I posted on LinkedIn about my vision and um, what I've been dealing with ever, ever since I was probably 11, 12 ish, uh, how I have a very rare retinal dystrophy and how I saw it as, um, as a superpower uh, versus a disability. Um. So visionary is someone who you think may have a lot of vision, but I, I sort of lack that part. But at the same time, I am a visionary because I, I create so many ideas in my head. I see where there are holes and gaps in, in anywhere, a company an organization places. And so I always come up with, with idea and, um, also visionary to me is about creating light and my coaching is all about being a lighthouse where I cast light on those that are in the dark or have a hard time seeing the light. And so being a coach, really it's about encouraging, supporting people to go within. We have the answers. We all have the answers. It's it's inside of us. But we don't realize that. So that, that for me is another sort of definition of, of visionary. I would say visionary.
0: Your favorite book.
1: I love Audible and it's my last one on Audible, which is The Spare. Again, a lot of reasons. So The Spare to me is, is, I, I cannot believe the amount of business behind the crown or the institution as they call it i am i am a secret royal fan just because of the way in which they work it's it's you know it's business first then family i can't believe the media i think probably because i have that background uh i can't believe how the media plays and is played it is 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 incredible um so definitely despair for me right now
0: do you have a bit more empathy for prince harry being a uh being a mental health and health and wellness coach because i've always looked at him and my my wife she's reading the book right now and she's really big into the royal family and i kind of look at this and go this whole scenario with him could have been avoided if the royal family had identified the mental health issues he was having after his mother's death and dealt with it appropriately
1: so yes i i can heavily relate to him um But unfortunately, he was brought up into a world where his voice did not matter. And he didn't matter. And because of that, it was all about what the outside world thought of them. They had to make sure that they didn't have anything going, you know, incorrectly or wrong or bad or anything. You just sort of zip your mouth, don't say anything, and then proceed. The less you say, the better. So he wasn't able to even understand what mental health was until years, years later and clearly still to this day, right? Um, So it's really sad to have heard that he didn't get help or support and nobody, you know what it is, Victor? Nobody acknowledged him. Feelings are real. If you know someone who is feeling something, you can't say, oh no, you can't feel that way. That's not right. You can never, never discount how someone feels. Um, and so that, that really tailspinned him as well.
0: I mean, at 11 years old, having him walk behind his mother's coffin I know, I know. with the whole world watching wasn't going to help either. No, <laughs> I think no. that was the, that was probably the first domino to fall. And then mm-hmm. the Royal family just dropped it after that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Agree. Agree. Your favorite song.
1: Till this day rise by Katy Perry, if you actually listen to the words, that's me. Um, So years, years, years ago, I was going through something um, career-wise, and and those words were definitely the ones that sort of helped me get out of my headspace, because we all do it, and be able to move forward. Uh, Oftentimes, we get stuck. In an emotion or stuck in a conversation, uh, a relationship, whatever it is. And it doesn't allow us to grow and move on. But I literally heard that song on the way to work, on the way to and from work. And, you know, whenever I needed to feel motivated and know that everything's going to be okay, it was that song.
0: Best advice you have ever received?
1: Stay in your lane. Oftentimes, we get too preoccupied and distracted on what others are doing. And what do we do? We look at somebody else's life, career, and then we compare it to ours. And what does that make us do? It doesn't make us feel good. It's that whole blame and shame and guilt coming through again. I encourage anyone who is listening to this, please do not do that. Everybody has their own journey, their own path. And quite honestly, you don't know what happens behind
0: closed doors. Let's be real.
1: And it's only amplified
0: by social media. Right? Yes, I know. Yes. Don't follow your friends. That's all I have to say to people. Not (laughs) Not that you don't want to follow your friends, but it goes to what you're saying is that it's very easy to compare yourself to others, even though even on the surface doesn't have to be behind closed doors the journey they've taken is incredibly different. Like you never Mm -hmm. would have come to the same place in life if you Mm -hmm. had stayed your own path.
1: And you know what? We waste a lot of our energy on other people. And just think about how we could, you know, just keep that energy with us and move forward with it. But that again is about the mindset, all about the growth and the mindset. So stay in your lane.
0: That is why on Instagram, I only follow cars and comic books. Oh, and obscure <laughs> sports jerseys. I'm not joking.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: My signature closing question, if you weren't in media, what would you be doing and why?
1: That's a hard one because um, I always knew ever uh, since I could remember, I've always wanted to help people. I was always the one where the teacher asks, does anybody want to do anything? I would always raise my hand and pick me, pick me. Um, okay. So if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I definitely would be working for some nonprofit organization. Um, any, any way that I could give back, help support, uh, is probably what I would be doing and focusing on that.
0: Cynthia, this has been fantastic. Thank you for coming back on. Really enjoyed our chat.
1: Victor, pleasure. I always have fun chatting with you. And uh, let's let's try to keep this more frequent and not three years from now. And fingers crossed that everything will be okay after after today.
0: Well, that and hopefully it's not a pandemic separating us for <laughs> three years. <laughs> we can do without those.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you.
0: That's it for today's show. For more episodes, you can go to mediapeople.ca or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vic Genova.